Hello friends, and welcome to Anything Goes. I'm your host, Joseph Guzman, and to those of you new, welcome to the show, welcome to the Anything Goes family. Let's jump into today's episode, shall we? Hey friends, just a quick moment to let you know, this show very much could use your support. So if you would like this show and you enjoy listening in, then please consider going to anchor.fm forward slash Joseph hyphen Guzman hyphen MA. There, you can click on the support button and that will let you become a monthly supporter to the podcast ranging from anywhere to 99 cents a month, or $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. Obviously, if you would like to become a larger monthly supporter, or if you'd like to do a one-time gift to the show, you can click that other button that says Message and let me know. And as always, friends, I love hearing your hellos, so please continue to send those as well. Thank you for all of you that have supported us so far and that continue to support us now. Let's get back to the show. And we are back, friends. So before the break, I was talking about Myers-Briggs and how that can be an impact for us on how we perceive our life uh, and how we live out our life and how that can be used, uh, or how it is being used to potentially try to define what sort of careers people can take. Uh, So to that extent, I decided I would try one. I did a, uh, I did this assessment for Myers-Briggs to kind of get a a readout of what it said about me, and it landed in one of the two areas I typically find myself. I either find myself as an INTJ and I find that this changes sometimes in life, depending on where I'm at. Uh, sometimes it defines me as INTJ, and other times it defines me as ENFP. I think that's because, according to um, Carl Jung's terminology, I am considered a introverted extrovert, I think, or extroverted introvert. I don't know. I can't remember the terminology. In the layman's term, they call it an ambivert. Uh, someone who's kind of both introverted and extroverted. So I guess that doesn't surprise me that it, I bounce between ENFP and INTJ. Uh, so in this case, when I did it, I ended up INTJ. So it, it does a little blurb where it tells you kind of what it says about who you are as a person. But before I get into that, I wanted to kind of address why I did this. And that's because I've seen a trend where people have talked about um, doing these Myers-Briggs type tests to get an assessment of who they are, what their strengths and weaknesses are, uh, and then using that to try and find jobs, find career paths. And while I'm one to say that that may be helpful, uh, I would argue that a Myers-Briggs is not going to typically get you the job. I know because I've had people in the past who have asked me to do DISC assessments and all these different kinds so that they could get some idea of who they thought I I 
who they thought that I was as a person. Now the problem there is the same thing as what I was talking about with the ATS. A poor use of ATS, right, which is that it tends to be uh, uncalibrated and so therefore it doesn't give you accurate assessments. It's like the difference between talking to a, a doctor in nutrition and fitness uh, and, and who knows these things, uh, who can give you a very specific goal set for what you need versus just doing something like a BMI and going from there. A body mass index. It's, a, it's something. It can be somewhat helpful, but if that's all you're using, you're really not likely going to get to the goals you're trying to get to alone by that. You need more calibrated attention, more calibrated help. Um, and there are people that I know that, I, that, that operate in that field. One of them was a guest on here some time back, my friend Kelsey. Uh, she has her organization, Barbell Balance. She's not paying me to say this. I'm just saying it because I believe in her and she's a friend. Um, but she specifically works in, in such a way of helping people with those sorts of things to get a more fair and balanced and, and reasonable point of view on how to live healthier. But a BMI is not the end-all be-all, right? That's not going to be the fix. And so that's kind of the same way I look at a uh, Myers-Briggs to try and find a career path for yourself. It's like, ha <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> it's like having a BMI. It's, it's useful somewhat, but it's not going to give you everything you need. And that's kind of what I, what I looked at here. So with that said, uh, let me grab my assessment and we'll go through that and then I'll talk a little bit about kind of what I see there. All right. <clears throat> Pardon me. So I did, as I said, the assessment, it gave me a INTJ um, analysis. So it starts with a little blurb, kind of a, a description, according to this, of who I am. Uh, I would argue it's not all that accurate, but it's something. What it says is, as an INTJ, that I am an architect. It, they give these little categories to things. Uh, it says that I'm always looking at the blueprint of any situation, and if something isn't working, I will find the most efficient and logical way to fix it. I would argue that's probably fairly true to who I am at times. Um, I don't mind working long hours on my own to get the best result. That's true, I would agree. Then there's no one to distract or argue with me, which is also part of that, right? I, I, depending on what I'm doing, there are times where I prefer to work on my own uh, because I'm going to have to use a lot of mental faculties to do what I'm about to do, and I don't need distractions. Uh, and so there are, there are times that I am very much like that, and then there are times that I'm not. Moving on, it continues by saying, uh, just accept that I have the perfect solution and we'll get along fine. That's a bit of a hubris thing, but uh, no, I, I disagree with that. I don't expect people to accept every solution I provide and then we'll be good. I do expect people to give true consideration to it and not just uh, lip service. That would that much I would say is true. Not that it says that. Uh, so it gives that and then it gives an actual kind of little blurbs, like a little scenario about how this works for an INTJ. 
So here's what it says. INTJs love logical analysis and strategism, strategist, strategizing. That's a very, wow, couldn't read today. Anyways, I would say that's true. I do like logical analysis and strategizing. Uh, it was very useful for me in the military even. <laughs> uh, it goes on to say, give them a complex theory or problem and they will relish finding the most efficient and innovative solution. True, I agree. They always have the big picture in mind and strive to improve systems and bring about change for the better. Again, I would agree. They work hard to an incredibly high standard. Uh, yes, that would be mostly true for me. Uh, sometimes I don't work all that hard. I mean, I am working, but I usually like to try and find ways to help me shortcut what I'm doing in a reasonable way, right? Like if there's something that's going to be repetitive, I would rather find a tool to do that and then I can focus my mental energies towards things that require more of me. But by and large, I would say that's true. Um, I am very much a big picture person. Uh, I think it is kind of the MO for a entrepreneur. You have to think about the big picture and then say, okay, uh, what is this, you know, what is it that I am trying to address within this big picture view? And then that's a big picture for your organization you're developing, right? And then how does, how do things line up within that big picture view? And do you need to refocus it a bit? Continuing forward, it goes on to say, um, they work hard to, oh, I'm sorry, I already said that part. Often known as lone wolves, uh, it's in quotations, INTJs dislike distractions and inefficiency, so are best working alone or in a small team. Famous INTJs include Mark Zuckerberg and Avril Lavigne. Uh, again, I think this is where I would say my ambivert comes out because there are times where I do feel that working on my own is better, but that's typically because I have found that if I'm working with a team, if there are people who are I can't think of another word to put for it, uh, so pardon if it sounds a little harsh, I don't mean it that way. Uh, if I'm working with people that I feel don't have the same level of competency as I do in what I'm working in, then my mindset, my mindset is to sometimes work on it myself uh, because I feel like working with those that are not as competent will actually potentially create derailment for the progress. Uh, but that's not always the case. But that's usually where that happens. If I feel like I'm dealing with incompetency at a high enough level, then I will probably work on it on my own and then address it from there, right? Then I'll bring forth what I've done with the rest of the people and they can say what they're going to say. Um, but if it's not, a, if I feel that I'm working with a pretty level field of people that have an equal competency or even better, um, I'm not going to be one to work on my own. Um, you know, to feel like I need to be that lone wolf because there's value in working with people and, and having different points of view. Uh, I definitely don't like being uh, in the same field as or associated as being connected to people like Mark Zuckerberg. Not a big fan of his practices, um, but it is what it is. Uh, so that part said, there are some truths to those things and there are things I do find benefit in that. But does that point me in a particular career path? Not really. I can, I can apply those skill sets that it talks about probably any job I do. Uh, as an educator, I've used those things. 
Uh, working in sales, I've used those things. As a program director, I've used those things. Uh, as a fabrication instructor, I've used those things. Uh, working in art studios, I've used those things. It just, the, the, line, the list goes on and on. It doesn't matter because these are abilities that are useful in what I'm going to say is in more of a universal way. Now, that said, let's take a look at what it says a little bit about the, uh, the strengths of an INTJ. Uh, it says that the strengths of an INTJ include being hardworking, strategic and imaginative, confident, open-minded, and a jack-of-all-trades. And I would say that that's probably, that's, in a general sense, it's probably true for me. Uh, I am pretty hardworking. Um, when it comes to what I believe in, I will do it. Uh, hence why I'm doing a podcast, even though it's really not making much money for me right now. Uh, I still do it because it's something I believe in. It's something I love doing, and I don't mind putting in the work. Because my view is, eventually, it pays off. Um, whether it's through more sponsorships or finally getting more uh, listeners who are subscribing and actually uh, financial supporters to the show, or this podcast opening up a door for something else that becomes more lucrative. Um, I don't mind putting in the hard work. I do that. I'm an artist. I'm working on art projects now. Um, I put in the time to get my bachelor's and master's degree done. Um, so hard work is not a I don't feel that that's a stretch for me. I think I do that. That's kind of necessary as an entrepreneur um, is to have that skill set that or that that character trait, we'll say. Uh, strategic and imaginative. Yes, again, uh, what they say about it is they say that a strategic and imaginative characteristic trait for INTJs is that they, with a bird's eye view on whatever they're working on, uh, INTJs can see a problem from many different angles and are able to develop solutions for multiple scenarios that may arise. Yes, that is something I can do. Um, it benefited me a lot in the military. Um, it has benefited me in civilian life, but oftentimes where I find it to be most beneficial is if I am in a consulting capacity. Typically, if I'm working for an organization, they don't really have a lot of interest, at least that's been my experience, is that they don't have a lot of interest in someone uh, coming up with um, multiple scenarios. Typically what I have seen are very kind of traditional people who have come out of a MBA program, a business management program, and it's nothing against people going to those degrees, but to say that what that tends to produce a lot of times is a cookie cutter approach to doing business and leading a business. And so by that, what they're looking at is saying, um, I've made up my mind, don't confuse me with the facts. It's that's those deadly words that I hear from businesses that I say this is a dangerous thing. And that is, well, that's how we've always done it. Or some derivative of that. Um, by and large, I think that that is a useful thing for many businesses. But that doesn't get me in the door with a lot of organizations because... They may offer lip service, but many times I don't find that organizations want that. They want someone who can do what they need to do, what they need them to do, who can follow the structure they have for them to do it, um, and repeat that, and be as efficient as, as possible about it. That's great, but it doesn't really make for really amazing candidates in a job 
right? It makes for people that can do a job and rinse, rinse, lather, repeat. Don't get me wrong, some jobs need some of that, but you still want characteristics like that. Those are things you don't find really benefiting you a lot of times in career fields. Confidence. Obviously, you need to have confidence, <laughs> but that's in any job. So I would say that that's not something that um, applies to some jobs and others. You don't need to be confident. You should be confident in whatever you're doing. Um, and there's, there's valid reasons for that. Being open-minded, again, is a characteristic that I think is useful for any job. You need to be open-minded. Uh, because you're going to be working with people from all kinds of backgrounds, all different cultures, different faith views, different ideologies. You don't have to agree with them all. But being open-minded allows you to at least consider where they're coming from and try to understand how they are coming to the conclusions they're coming to, why they believe what they believe, and why they're making the decisions they're, dis they're, they're making. Why their behavior is what it is. Um, now, this last one where it talks about being a jack-of-all-trades... I really like that because people use that phrase to say, oh, you're a jack of all trades, master of none. But there's actually more to that saying. It's an old saying. And what it says is, the, the full saying is this, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but still better than a master of one. Let me say that again. A jack of all trades is a master of none, but that's still better than a master of one. And I agree. That's where I have found myself in my life. I am a jack of all trades. I can do many things. I know how to weld. I know how to do woodworking. I've worked in construction. I've worked in studios. I'm an artist. Um, I produce a podcast. Never done that until last year. It's now reached 25 countries and is growing in its age, age range and its demographics. Um, I can do a lot of different things. I have not found that to be a beneficial trait that people look for when applying for jobs. So again, Myers-Briggs is useful, not necessarily that much. And uh, we will continue with this right after the break. All right, friends, we are back. Before the break, we were talking about some of the strengths it says about an INTJ, and I was addressing a little bit of how those can be useful, but how those don't necessarily point you in a particular career path or may even be beneficial for some careers or jobs that you're trying to take. Uh, in fact, depending on the leadership you have, some of those skill sets might, might make them actually feel inferior. Um, and that's their own issue to deal with, but they do take it out by not hiring you. Um, there have been many opportunities where I have seen, and this is partly because I've been trained in nonverbal communication, so I read the body language. Um, and I have seen where as I talk about things with people, I see that all of a sudden I have addressed something and I've deduced that they don't understand it as well as I'm talking about it. And it makes them feel, um, uh, inferior. It makes them feel, um, dumb or something. And so in, in that sense, instead of taking the opportunity and trying to learn and appreciating that you're hiring someone that gets that. Oftentimes what you get is someone who, because they feel inferior, will become defensive and will uh, will make up excuses as to why not to hire you because they don't like that someone might know something more than them. And that's not being bitter by saying that. It's a reality I have seen happen, not just in my life, but in others as well, talking to people that have had that happen. Um, 
So, yeah. Now, let's continue forth. It talks about the INTJ weaknesses now. Let's look at what it says about the weaknesses of an INTJ. Let's see if I feel like there's some truth to that. Um, they dislike highly structured environments. Interesting. Let's see what it says here. Because they are working to develop logical, efficient, and innovative systems, INTJs will not get along with people who like to blindly follow rules and conventions just to maintain the status quo. Uh, I would say that that's probably true in a general sense. Um, I do feel like there are times where status quo is useful, but it's just for the maintenance of something, right? To maintain something. But I would never argue that anyone has got a system that is foolproof, right? That is perfectly built, that will never need any adjustment, any fine-tuning, any refocusing, any pivoting. It's just not a reality of life. Uh, so I would say, yeah, that's true to some extent, but not entirely do I agree with that. <clears throat> the next one it says is being overly analytical. And my goodness, I will say that is definitely a truth for me. Um, I can definitely overanalyze things. My wife tells me that many times that I'm overthinking it. Or as the old saying says in the South, right? You're overcooking your grits. And, and I do, I will concede that that is true for me. Sometimes I am overthinking things. <clears throat> so it says that for that, if they encounter a situation, meaning, meaning INTJs, uh, if they encounter a situation where logic doesn't rule, the INTJ will not hesitate to point out any flaws. Interpersonal relationships can be challenging as the INTJ focuses on ideas, not personal connections, and will not sugarcoat criticism. I would say yes and no. <clears throat> there are times where I do feel that it's necessary to just get to the point of what you need to say. Um, I don't think it's a good practice to be rude. Uh, you can't account for every single insecurity that every person is going to have. Um, the nature of it is that you're going to say what you're going to say. And sometimes people's insecurities will get triggered, even if you meant nothing to that extent, pardon me, <coughs> the uh, dust and pollen has been kicking up lately. And so despite taking allergy medicine and drinking water, sometimes it still irritates me. So forgive me for that, friends. <coughs> now, I think interpersonal communication and connection is an important aspect that you need to have in any organization, in any gathering of people. But do I believe that you can always come to a place where everyone's going to feel good about it? No. Honestly, no. And it's not to say that it's anything against people for that. Some people are going to be stubborn and that's why you don't get through. But sometimes it's a matter of learning styles um, or insecurities that can be problematic. So I would say, no, I think there is a matter of both. I do prefer some logic in things. Uh, but I also understand that you do need some interpersonal communication and, and all of that as well. Arrogance is another weakness, it says. INTJs are confident that their way is the best way, which is why they love to work alone. This can cause friction if they're working in a team environment and they may need to work on ways to communicate without alienating others. Uh, 
I think if I'm in my bad behavior, maybe that would be true. But by and large, I don't think that that's true for me. Um, I don't like to have a lot of friction. I like for my work environment to be as easygoing as it can be. But that isn't to say that I think that friction doesn't exist um, or shouldn't exist. Sometimes friction is what helps us. If you're hearing noise in the background, you'll have to forgive me. That's our cat. Sometimes, if any of you are cat owners, then you understand that sometimes cats have this weird thing that we just call craziness, where they, for seemingly no reason, will just run around, their ears pin back, and they start running around, and they start meowing, and they start jumping on stuff and taking off. Um, so if you're hearing that, that would be our cat. At any rate, arrogance, I'm not going to say that it can't happen, right? Because I'm human. I can do things like that just like anyone else. But by and large, I say that's not where I like to live because I think uh, I don't think it benefits the organization. It, I don't think it benefits me, right? It can cause alienation, and that's hard to get things done when people don't want to talk to you. Uh, the next one it says is judgmental. Uh, INTJs tend to dismiss emotional and historical factors in a situation, focusing on the rational argument instead. They're so confident their thought process is correct, that it can be difficult for them to consider any ideas not based on rational thought. I will say that that's probably some truth to that for me. Um, if I'm trying to work through a solution, someone saying that, I don't know, it, I, it, I don't feel good about it, sometimes I'm like, okay, well, can you quantify why? Can you give me an explanation as to why? And if it's like, no, I just, I just don't like it. To me, I don't find that to be a, a useful uh, critique on how to resolve a problem. So if someone's just like, eh, I just don't like it, it doesn't feel good. I understand that. Um, but I also understand that, you know, if you're hired to do a particular job, your feelings don't have as much to do with it as getting the job done. Now, there are some where that's more important, right? If you're a therapist and you're talking to people, that's your profession, and you're trying to work through things with them, yeah, it's important to do that. But if you're, let's say, doing coding, you need to know how to communicate with people to some extent. Um, but, yeah, I mean, rational thought is what's going to rule there. Having a bad feeling about it isn't going to get the job done, especially if you have a deadline. So I would say there's probably some truth to that that can happen in me. I try not to be, like, judgmental, but... I mean, judgment in and of itself is not a problem. I think that's something to cl clarify. People like to say, you know, judge not, right? It says not to judge in the Bible even, right? Don't judge. And I say, that's not what it says. Judge not for, or, judge not lest you be judged, for in the measure you judge, it will be measured back to you. That's what it says. And what I hear in that is, if you're going to judge, judge fairly. Try to be as balanced in your judgment as you can, because you know, people might use that same standard against you. And that makes sense. This idea that judgment in and of itself is wrong in all cases, I think is a poor use of the word, or poor understanding of the word, I should say. Uh, so judgmental being seen as a negative in, an I in, in a, in a uh, Myers-Briggs, I think is a uh, poor use of the word, right? Because to be judgmental carries some negative connotations, but making judgments is not always a problem. We do it all the time. Making brash 
poor judgments, I think, are really the problem. And that's, again, one of those issues where we have to calibrate, we have to define things better. Another, it says, as a weakness is withdrawn. It says that INTJs may seem aloof and reserved as they spend so much time in their own minds. They tend not to be overly demonstrative with their emotions and are unlikely, let me flip the page here, to provide much encouragement or support to others. I will say that that can happen. I, I will acknowledge that that can be something that happens for me. But by and large, I don't think that that's too often the case. Typically, if I'm withdrawn, it's because I have been trying to provide help um, or I've been asked for advice, but on many occasions I'm asked for advice or guidance on it and nothing is done and we keep finding ourselves in the same problem and the person keeps venting about it to me. At that point, I might become a bit withdrawn because I'm like, you know what, it's evident that what I am offering is not really useful uh, and so I won't offer much more because if I don't know what else to give them, then I, I'm not going to just offer empty words just to offer, offer empty words. You know, I'll probably say, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. And let them move on to finding someone else that might tell them what they're looking to hear. Um, so to that extent, I would say, yeah, there's probably some truth to that. But as a general practice, I don't think that that's something that I would agree with as being uh, true for me. Um, so yeah, is that always the case? No, but yeah. So does this actually make it better for us? Like I, I would say having done this Myers-Briggs thing, does it make me feel like I know what career path is going to be better? No. And do many of these skill sets, um, benefit me in any particular jobs I have looked for in my life? No. Have they been useful in some ways? Absolutely. But not in some way that I would say is specialized to any particular fields. Um, so does having a Myers-Briggs really help you? Ah, I, I think it can be helpful in helping you understand yourself some. But I don't know that it necessarily is going to benefit you in finding a job or a career. Um, I could be wrong and I'm open to hearing people explain why they would think that. but. That's, that's my experience as of right now. Uh, another thing that I was looking at, uh, I had read this discussion, it was a research article uh, in Yale Insights that was talking about the illusion of multitasking and how that might improve uh, simple, or performance on simple tasks. Uh, so I've heard people use this in a lot of job searches. Uh, people have used this for decades now, this idea of multitask, right? Can you multitask? Many job descriptions will say, need someone that can multitask. But my argument is this. There is no evidence to show that multitasking exists, except in the idea that we want it to exist. Uh, there have been enough studies done on the mind and psychology-wise to show that the brain doesn't operate that way. The brain does not operate on a um, multitask format, right? We are not a CPU. We don't have a multi-core CPU in our brain, right, that is processing multiple tasks at the same time 
uh, we, we have to switch tasks. That's what our brain does. Now, how quickly you can switch tasks is where people begin to think that someone is a multitasker, but cognitively, your brain does not do that. Your brain focuses on one thing at a time and moves on. So, sorry to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, but there is no truth about this idea that men are one-track-minded and women are multitask. Um, there may be some nature within how women are wired that because of the idea of having children and other things, it may, it may facilitate something within the mind. I don't know what that would be, but there's, there may be something in the mind that induces a more of a quick response time and switch tasking. I could see that being true. Um, but there is an actual truth about one-track mind. Now, all human beings are one-track minded. It's just how quickly they can switch from one to the other, right? And so um, there was a study done by a, a gentleman by the name of Gal Zauberman, uh, who, what he did find is that, at least, wait, I may be wrong. That may be a female. I haven't looked up the, uh, the gender identity for this person, so Gal Zauberman may be male or female. I'm not entirely sure. Nonetheless, what they did is they did a study to look at, does people, do people who think they can multitask, uh, do they actually demonstrate the ability to perform one ta more than one task at the same time effectively? And I won't go through the whole, the whole article because it was, it was a bit lengthy, but what I will say is this. What I found in reading that article is that the only thing uh, Zauberman found was that by doing, by believing that you can multitask, you are a lot of times able to make yourself a little more efficient at performing one task. So, yeah, hear that. If you believe you're a multitasker, there is some cognitive research to show that there may be evidence of you being able to perform one task more effectively than if you don't believe you're a multitasker. Talk about some interesting irony. Um, there's no such thing as multitasking. Switch tasking is what our mind does. But if you believe you're a multitasker, you might actually make yourself more effective at performing any one task. But it doesn't make you more effective at performing multiple tasks at the same time. So <laughs> if you believe you're a multitasker, you're right about your performance, but not in the way you think. And also, uh, there is no one-track mind for one gender. All brains do this. All brains focus on one thing at a time. Some may switch quicker than others. And I would, I would concede that there may be something to um, the nature, the genetic, biological nature of, uh, of a woman that might lend them. Maybe there's something hormonal that gets released at a certain point in development that, uh, that might accelerate this, um, this switch tasking ability because of the fact that that's what happens, right? I mean, so many of the women that I'm friends with that I know are really good at that. Uh, a lot of the guys that I know uh, can do it, not, not oftentimes as seamlessly as it seems <laughs> with some of my female friends, 
Uh, I'm not saying that's always the case. I do have some male friends that are really good at switch tasking. Um, by and large, if I'm focused and I'm really locked in, man, I can switch task and go from one thing into another. In fact, as an artist, that's what I love to do. Um, I feel a bit sometimes like, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the person's name right now. Famous artist from New York. Um, but he was known for like playing, having the TV on and like listening to music and he'd be working on artwork and he'd go from one art piece to the other and switch back and forth. I do that. But there is a caveat to that and that is that you're still operating within the same field of work, right? Like you really want to see how good you are at switch tasking. Um, start doing an art project or a craft project. And at the same time, if you're an investment, right, try to work on your investment portfolio and figure out um, what you can do to make your investment portfolio more effective. Uh, and at the same point, try to deal with getting laundry and dishes done. Then you'll see how good you actually are at switch tasking. Many times people believe they're good at or they're multitasking. Many times people believe they're good at multitasking and what they're actually experiencing is that they're working on many things that are related and so it doesn't require their mind to really have to do a full shift, right? So um, that's, that's the reality of it. That's how, how, how it is. That's what we see here. Uh, and so that's, that's what I would say to it. Um, so with all that said, friends, Life is what it is. There's a lot of things we're trying to understand. There's a lot of things we would benefit from. Some things don't benefit us well, and some things need calibration, right? Uh, and every problem can present itself with a, an opportunity that could give you the chance to come up with a solution, right? It could be something that improves your life. You create a business, you create a service, a product, an app, whatever. Um, so yeah. That all said, friends, I've gone a little over time on this episode, uh, but as always, I love talking with y'all. And, and just so you know, which you'll see by the title of this episode, we have hit 75 episodes, which is insane. I wish the 75 episodes also reflected in the financial support for the show, uh, but maybe with time that'll continue on. That said, if you like this show, friends, and you would like to see this show continue and grow, and me be able to have the funding to build a website out, and get community forums set up so that we can interact with each other, and then I can get some merch and things out that you can kind of get more involved in the community, um, consider becoming a supporter. You can either message me on anchor.fm forward slash joseph hyphen guzman hyphen ma, and you can click that message button and let me know that you want to be a supporter and we can get something arranged through like Venmo or something like that. Um, or you can click on that other button that says support and that button will let you become automatically uh, by signing up on there. You'll become a regular monthly supporter for the podcast for 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. If you find that that's not working, click that support button, or not the support button, the uh, message button, and we'll get it figured out another way. I know that since Anchor got bought by Spotify, there has been some changes, and I've heard some people talking about the fact that people are, are getting their podcasts erased off of Anchor. 
Thankfully, I've not seen that to be the case. Um, but I am looking at potentially moving to another platform at some point because, uh, not because this platform has been problematic in any big way, but more so because it doesn't offer the control I need as I build out this show. So at some point I will be shifting. Your financial support in that can really help me to accelerate getting these things done and allows me to focus on making more episodes and getting more interesting people in uh, because I have the freedom to do so because of the financial support. Uh, so yes, please, beyond that, um, share this. If you, if you like this podcast, share it with friends and family. Share it on social media. And if you do share it on social media, make sure to uh, hashtag it, right? And the hashtag being hashtag anythinggoespodcast. Uh, and that will also help me by getting more people listening in and, and discovering the show. And that gives me more opportunity to try and get more sponsorship. So that all said, friends, as always, I love speaking with you all. Thank you for being here with me. Um, I've been noticing some change in our community demographics. Uh, the UK, uh, you have been increasing in population uh, percentage of listeners. So thank you. I've noticed that also there have been a few other countries, uh, I think Switzerland or Sweden and uh, Italy and a few other places have been increasing in their demographic. Uh, so hello and thank you for all of you coming in and to all of you that listen in all over the world in 25 different countries. And hello to all of you of the different age ranges. I've noticed my um, 18 to 24 age range has been growing. Same thing with the 60 plus. And I'm just starting to see that some, apparently, of the demographic of 17 and younger are starting to listen to the show. So, wow. <laughs> I'm amazed that this keeps happening. Thank you, friends. So, please, consider being a financial supporter. Um, share this with people on social media. Use the hashtag AnythingGoesPodcast. All of those things can really help me to keep this going, friends. That all said, thank you to all of you that are here. Thank you to those of you who have followed along from the beginning. Uh, thank you to all of you that have joined in recently. Uh, thank you for making this a bigger community than I ever thought it would be. Um, as always, friends, be good to yourselves. Take care of yourself. You get one body. You get one life. Make good use of it. Um, don't spend so much of it about the past and the difficult, difficult things you've had to go through. Try to find ways to grow and move forward and, and make it better uh, for yourself and for others. And with that said, be kind to one another. Uh, we have differences in views, and that doesn't mean that we can't be respectful with one another and kind to one another. Goodness, right? The, the saying, you can attract more flies with honey than vinegar. So let's be more honey in the world. I can also do the same. Always be learning, friends. Always be curious. Always be creative. There's a lot to this world. There's so much to learn. So much that we can do to make it better. Let's all be a part of that. And I will talk to you on the next episode, friends. Much love and prayer to all of you. Bye-bye now.